I can't say good morning because it's eight minutes past 12. So good afternoon. Um, wow, exciting news about the 10.30 Onslow Square. But I want to talk to you about um, the fact that seven years ago, I walked into Brompton Road and I sat in that balcony over there. And I don't really remember very much about the service, if I'm honest. But I do know that I, when I walked into the building, I felt the presence of God. I felt the Holy Spirit kind of stir within my chest. And it's kind of hard to describe with words, but I, I know what I felt. And because I felt God's presence, because I felt his Holy Spirit, I've basically been here ever since. And every Sunday I, I come and I'm expectant that God wants to meet with me, that God has something to say about my life, that I'm actually part of something way bigger than I could ask or imagine. And it's not just about me and my life. It's about what God's doing and how he's building his kingdom. So I hope you find that encouraging, that maybe you're sitting in the balcony this morning, you know, five rows from the front and quite hidden, or maybe you're in the spring downstairs, um, or maybe you're watching online, and you're wondering today, is God interested in my life? Can I experience his presence? Is his Holy Spirit with me? And the answer is yes. When we gather as a community, as we worship, God's presence, God's spirit is here. It says, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there and I am with you. But why is that important? Well, I think it's important because when we encounter God's presence, that is where we receive real rest, real refreshment, and deep revival. When you encounter God's presence, it's like the deepest thirst in your soul is quenched. When you encounter his presence, somehow your perspective starts to shift. When you encounter his presence, you are somehow caught up in the greatness and majesty of God. And somehow you stop thinking so much about your own problems. What does it mean to be a part of HTB? Well, I think part of our DNA is that we show up every Sunday, we pray, come Holy Spirit, and we wait and see what God wants to do. And someone said to me that in order to show up every Sunday in faith to do that is, I mean, it takes a bit of courage and it takes a bit of boldness. I mean, if God doesn't show up, you're going to look like a bit of a turnip. And... Um, it is true, but actually I think it's, it's worth it because God loves faith. Sometimes nothing seems to be happening on the surface, but you never really know what God is up to. I found that when I've created space for God, when I've stopped and paused and in that moment, I've just prayed, Lord, I really need to hear from you. I've been pleasantly surprised how God shows up and surprises me. 
Today, I want to talk to you about how to prioritize God's presence in your life. And we're gonna look and learn from the life of Moses in the book of Exodus together. And in Exodus, the people of God are going through a season of darkness and of despair. There's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of oppression, and there's a lot of exploitation. And even though nothing seems to happen for a very, very long time, God is fully aware of their circumstances and is deeply concerned for their well-being. Despite the silence, God is still at work. God says that he has seen the misery of his people and he has heard their cries for help and he is coming to rescue them. And so he raises up Moses, a bit of a reluctant leader, to lead the people of God to a good and spacious place, a land flowing with milk and honey. And I'm going to read to you from Exodus 33, verses 11 to 18, and it's going to come up on the screen. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. So if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. So how do you prioritize God's presence in your life? What do we learn from the life of Moses? Well, I think it all starts with your relationship. Start with your relationship. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I love listening in on the conversations between Moses and God throughout the book of Exodus. You know, Moses had this relationship with God, but it was only because God makes the first move. God initiates and appears to Moses in a burning bush when Moses is in the wilderness. And it's at this time of his life that Moses is really at one of his lowest points and God appears to him and calls him by name. Moses is continually telling God how inadequate he feels. Please don't pick me, send somebody else. And God simply responds by saying, it's okay that you feel inadequate. It's okay that you 
feel like you can't do it because my sufficiency is greater than your inadequacy. I will be with you and I promise to help you. And when Moses and God converse, there's this honesty and there's this transparency. There's real intimacy and there's real friendship. And do you know today that you can have this kind of friendship with God? You know, when I think about it for a a little while, when I ponder this fact that I can be a friend of God, it kind of just blows my mind. God and me, friends. God, in all of his greatness, in all of his majesty, in all of his power, wants to draw near to me. Really? But that's what is possible because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He has brought you access to the living God. You can have a real relationship with him. He has made a way where there seemed to be no way. And his grace is greater than your inadequacies. His grace is greater than your weaknesses. His grace is greater than even our failures. And Moses had failed greatly in his life. His sufficiency is greater than your inadequacy. In John 15, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Do you know that the living God is interested in a friendship with you? A couple of weeks ago, I took a look at my to-do list. And as I sat there and looked at my very long to-do list, I became a little bit overwhelmed because I did a mental calculation in my head and was like, based on the amount of things on my list and the number of hours I know I have, there's just not enough hours in the day. And as I began to panic, in my heart, I prayed, Lord, help me. And It usually doesn't happen like this, but in that moment, I felt God say to me, you know, Catherine, I'm actually not that interested in what you do. I'm not even really that interested in your very long to-do list. I'm interested in you. I'm interested in you as a person. And in that moment, Mary and Martha in Luke 10 just kind of dropped in my mind. And in Luke 10, Jesus goes to the home of Mary and Martha. And Martha is very busy. She's very distracted. And she's basically yelling at everyone. And Mary simply sits at Jesus' feet, completely overcome by his presence and is almost hanging on his every word. And Jesus is saying that Mary has chosen the better thing. Because I think Mary prioritized her relationship with Jesus. She knew that the voice 
of the one that really matters is the voice of her Saviour and her Lord, Jesus Christ. And when she focused on Jesus, all the other voices would probably start to fade away. Instead of being concerned with what everyone else was saying and doing, she received what she really needed. She received in the presence of God. So what in your life needs to change so that you can create more space and room for a relationship with the living God, for a friendship with Jesus, where you can just be in his presence? You know, life in London is fast, frenetic, and busy. But every day you have a choice. I have a choice to spend time in God's presence or I can listen to all of the noise going on outside in the world. So we start with our relationship and then we search our heart for replicas. Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. You know, earlier in Exodus, God delivers the people of Israel. He leads them out of slavery in Egypt. He even parts the Red Sea. And then God gives Moses these guidelines as to how he wants to relate to his people in a relationship. And then Moses goes up the mountain again to get the blueprint for the tabernacle, which is the kind of sacred tent where God's presence is going to dwell. And while Moses is up the mountain with God, the people down below start to think that Moses has been gone for a very long time. And they start to get impatient. Maybe they were starting to think that God's been silent for a long time. It's not much happening. And so what they do is they start to carve um, an idol out of gold and they start worshipping this golden calf. And they've forgotten all about what God has done. They've forgotten all about the ways that he's delivered them. And they start to worship this idol, this replica, and this fake. And then God says, when he discovers what's happened, that you can go into this land flowing with milk and honey, but I'm not going with you anymore because the people of God have been so disloyal and fickle, they've forgotten what God has done. But Moses puts his foot down and says, no. Moses is saying here, and I love it, he says, we don't just want your stuff. We don't just want your possessions. We don't just want the land you want to give us. We don't just want your blessings. We want you. And if you're not coming with us, if your presence is not with us, we don't want to go. Moses will not accept a replica. Moses wants the real deal. And he wants real relationship with the living God. And he settles for nothing less than God's presence. And that, I think, is something so profound and challenges me every single day. Do I just want the blessings that God wants to give me? Or do I want God himself? You know, when I got ordained in the Church of England, um, I thought that I was going to be um, making lots of cups of tea 
and serving lots of slices of cake because that's what vicars do in the Church of England. And actually, I actually do make a decent cup of tea. Um, but I'm not so good at baking cakes. What I am pretty good at is making instant noodles. I actually make a very mean ramen. And I thought to myself, you know, I might have a ramen ministry. I think people come, I make them a bowl of noodles, they eat the noodles, they tell me their problems, and then we pray together, and that's what ministry could look like for me. Um, I'm still working on it. I'll let you know how I get on. But the thing is, with um, instant noodles, like, like this bag right here, is actually they're not very healthy. My mum uh, does call me, um, actually she tries to call me every week, and the first question that mum usually asks me is, what did you have for dinner? And if I tell mum that I had instant noodles for dinner, she will start yelling. And she's like, those are not good for you. You should not eat the instant noodles. Do you need me to boil some chicken soup and bring it to you? And I'm like, no, mum, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay, I won't eat them. I only have it once a week. But um, when my mum calls me, um, we talk about, actually, my mum gives me lots of tips of life in general, but she always says that, People who come from Hong Kong like to eat this particular brand of instant noodle. Um, and I have to say, I agree. My personal flavor of choice is original sesame oil flavor. That is my choice. Um, I'll, I'll every, each to their own. There's no judgment here. But um, when my mum recently called me, she, when we talk about instant noodles, she says two things. Firstly, can you believe that a price of one bag of instant noodles has gone up to one pound. She said, a year ago, there were only 50p, which I'm like, I know, mum, it's outrageous. Cost of living, inflation, what can you do? But the second thing she says to me is, this particular brand of noodle, which a lot of people in Hong Kong eat, she said, you need to look out for one sign. You need to look here on the right, right here. And it, this says in Chinese, made in Hong Kong. And she said, you need to buy the version that is made in Hong Kong because that is the real deal. That, that stuff, this is the one that tastes the best and um, you need to buy this one. Do not, do not go for anything else because she said there is an instant noodle that looks like this, but it is not the same. It is actually made in Europe. <laughs> it's made in Europe. And she said, if you buy the European version... It's just not the same, except no imitations and no replicas. Only buy the one made in Hong Kong. And I, got, I mean, I don't like to say this, but mum is always bright. So um, Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And if you're serious about having a living relationship, a thriving relationship with God, you do need to search your heart for replicas because the heart is the place where real worship happens. And sometimes your heart can begin to worship a replica without even knowing. Sometimes a replica looks like the real thing, but it's not. And when you look to other things to define you, not God. 
That is what modern day idolatry looks like. When you worship money or your status or your career or your relationship, that's modern day idolatry. You know, on the surface, idols appear to offer you everything and cost you nothing. But when you worship an idol, you eventually become enslaved and it's totally empty. And what worshiping an idol does is it ultimately ends up offering you nothing, but it costs you everything. When you worship the living God, you are doing what you were always created to do. And there is such freedom when you're in that place. So start with your relationship, search your heart for replicas, and lastly, seek after revival. Moses asked God to show me your glory because Moses wants to experience God for who he really is, the fullness of his goodness, his mercy, and his compassion. He knows that in the presence of God, that is where fullness of life truly is. When you worship God, it's almost like you become revived. You may have come here today feeling so dry, but as you worshipped, something began to shift. Water starts to come, streams of living water starts to pour forth, and you become alive again, aware of who God is and who you are. And what Moses caught a glimpse of, the glory of God in the Old Testament, pales in comparison to the fullness of the glory of God revealed in the face of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus embodies the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit continues to make that a reality time and time and time again. In Acts 1, over a meal, probably not of ramen, Jesus says to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. In yesterday's Times obituary section, there was an obituary for the Reverend John Collins, who passed away on the 22nd of December, 2022, last year. He was 97 years old, and John Collins was the vicar of HTB from 1980 to 1985. And I'm going to read to you from the first paragraph of his obituary. It says this in the Times yesterday. On a cold winter night at St. Mark's Church, Gillingham, in 1963, the Reverend John Collins was falling asleep in his pew when something remarkable happened. The all-night prayer vigil was petering out when suddenly John Collins says this, I found myself fully awake, full of energy, and very happy. And what was happening to me was clearly being experienced by everyone else in the room. 
Some were singing, he said, of what became known as the night of prayer. Collins said that this visitation of the Holy Spirit lasted three weeks and transformed his rundown church and his young curates into catalysts for what would become known as the charismatic renewal in Britain. In 1980, Collins was appointed vicar of HDB in South Kensington, which had been a society Anglican church with a robed choir and matin service, but low attendance. Look at what God has done over the past 43 years through the power of his Holy Spirit. It is God's presence that draws people to this place today. And that is what we yearn for, that God might show us his glory because we just cannot do it without his presence. You know, it all starts with prayer because prayer is the language of friendship with God. Every revival has always happened starting with prayer. Every move of God in church history has happened because people got back on their knees and cried out to God to show us your glory again. When Archie arrived here at HTB in September of 2022, um, one of the things he suggested that we should do as a team, a new thing, is that we should gather together the entire team and we should pray for three hours on Tuesday morning once every couple of months. And um, we've done that twice in the past six months. And when I first heard that, I thought, oh, I don't think I've ever prayed with people for three hours before, but okay. And I did think to myself, if I'm honest, that I might end up a bit like John Collins, like I might start praying, but I might fall asleep in my chair, because um, three hours is quite a long time. But um, we had one of those prayer mornings on Tuesday, five days ago. So we gathered as a team and we prayed. And at the end of the time, um, Archie just came up and led a time of ministry and prayed, come Holy Spirit, and let's see what God wants to do. And I was literally standing right there and I kind of showed up. And I, actually, if I'm honest, I was not really expecting anything. I was like, I'm actually quite tired. But um, as we prayed, come Holy Spirit, I felt... I felt my hand begin to shake. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And, and then my other hand started to shake a little bit. And then before I knew it, I was, I was being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I felt God's presence. And I think I experienced almost like his glory passing by. And I was totally undone. I was totally overwhelmed. In fact, I couldn't actually work for the rest of the day because I was just like, what is going on? And as I was lying on the floor, filled with the Holy Spirit, I felt God say to me, there's more coming. There's more coming. And I don't think what happened for me was just for me. I actually think it might be a foretaste of what God might be wanting to do today with you because he loves you. He wants to fill you with his spirit. 
He wants to draw near with his presence and remind you afresh of his love, of his purpose for your life, of the vision he's going to pour out, that you are not just living a random life in London in 2023, but that he has things prepared for you. And he has called you for such a time as this. And it's time to rise up. It's time for his church to rise up and to seek after the glory of God, to bring God's presence into the places where people desperately need to experience his peace and his love and his mercy and his compassion. Do you know God is calling you today to go? You will receive power and you will witness, you will be Jesus' witness to the ends of the earth. Bring it on and do it again. What will set us apart from everyone else? I think it's going to be our friendship with God. It's going to be our sacrificial and costly worship of God and God alone. And it's going to be a seeking after and a hungering after the things of his kingdom and his glory and nothing else. I'm not sure what they're going to write in my obit. I probably won't live to 97, probably. But if I'm remembered for anything, I want to be remembered as someone who experienced friendship with God and who followed Jesus with all of her heart. She may have been someone who was not sure of very much in life, but she was sure of how much she was loved by God. And she wasn't confident in herself. At times she felt deeply inadequate, but she was confident of this one truth. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.